You are listening to Hoisting the Sail, a supply chain podcast. From our studio at the Brooklyn Navy Yard overlooking New York Harbor, we talk to the innovators and professionals who use the wind to power the maritime supply chain. I'm your host, Kat Bride. Hoisting the Sail is presented by Wind Support NYC. We are very happy to have the opportunity to interview Sergio Perez today on the show. Sergio is a professor of engineering at the U.S. Merchant Marine Academy in Kings Point, New York. We are really looking forward to a spirited discussion today about all things marine engineering and sustainability and financing in the global maritime supply chain. Sergio, thank you so much for making time for us and welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. How does somebody get to be a professor of engineering at the U.S. Merchant Marine Academy. Tell us about your professional and academic journey. Well, let's see, I'm a mechanical engineer by training. And uh, soon after I uh, graduated, I joined the Coast Guard where I served in the uh, Office of Research and Development. Mm -hmm. Uh, Basically, we were just uh, monitoring contracts, but it was a really very, very exciting job. And then after the Coast Guard, I, I went to graduate school then I was on my way to uh, an interview up in Syracuse, and I was on the Long Island Expressway, and I happened to pass by the Merchant Marine Academy, and I said, well, I have an extra resume. Why don't I just drop it off? And turns out somebody had just quit the uh, week before, you know, 27 or 28 years uh, after that, I'm still here, and uh, I feel very fortunate and blessed to, uh, to have this position. So Syracuse's loss was the Merchant Marine Academy's gain. That was a very fortunate turn on the Long Island Expressway. One of the few nice things to come out of being stuck in traffic there, I'm sure. You've launched something called the Journal of Merchant Ship Wind Energy. We were extremely intrigued by this. Tell us what it is. Tell us about your motivations and what its ultimate goal is. How is it being received by your peers and students and uh, professionals? Uh, I've been teaching at the Merchant Marine Academy for a while and I've published a few papers and journals, right? Uh, Increasingly, there is the type of journal where you have to pay money to have your your, um, material published. But I felt that I don't think anybody should have to pay, uh, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. It's entirely free for anybody who wants to publish, but... Uh, it is uh, you know, also peer-reviewed, but it's open to, uh, to people who are pre- professionals in the field. So far, uh, we have one, one paper published. It's getting a very, very slow start, mm-hmm. uh, but I imagine this kind of thing takes a while. You know, it's only, I've only sent out the first call for papers and started the website two or three months ago. And, uh, but I don't expect to get any responses for a while. It's okay, I'm not in a rush. If it happens, it happens. Within the uh, academic sphere, we're just seeing little pockets of interest come up about using wind propulsion in, uh, for, for merchant ships right now. So I'd love to know on your side, if it's a conversation that's growing, if uh, your students, are, are really starting to ask questions about this. And if you think this is gonna be part of the wider conversation in years to come. I hear very little talk about it, and which is the reason the, that I decided to go in this direction also. I know there's little 
uh, as you said, little pockets of activity here and there. But I think it's destined to to become something important. The wind propulsion, it has to be, right? It, for so many uh, of the well-known reasons now, right? The climate and the, the, the economics now are pointing towards it. So no, I, I don't hear much yet, and I don't hear much talk of it here, but I think it will be. It's quite an important issue. How, how was that issue brought up t- to you? You know, you could have picked a lot of things to make a journal about, Sergio. Why this one? You know, I'm very concerned about this problem with climate change. I mean, I think last year I worked on a paper where looking at the climate models, uh, the effect that climate change is going to have on Honduras in Central America. Mm. Honduras is very hard hit by climate change because, first of all, they're very vulnerable to uh, flooding, severe storms, because it's such a mountainous country, such an underdeveloped country, you know, still has a long way to go, has many, many problems. So these storms come and they create big downpours of water, which create lots of flooding and really hurt people who are very, Mm -hmm. very poor. And uh, these storms are becoming more greater because since the temperature of the air is higher, the, there's more moisture in the storms and uh, they can expect much climate change is exacerbating the problem people are having, not just in Honduras also and other Central American countries. Uh, so it's affecting these people in a very, very negative way. In this paper, we found that, yeah, things are going to... Uh, uh, much worse for them. In- temperatures will increase by about five degrees C uh, by the year 2100. So this will affect their ability to produce food as well. I wanted to ask you about the economic viability of bulk cargo with these merchant sailing vessels. This is your paper and you co-authored this with three of your colleagues at the U.S. Merchant Marine Academy. We'd, we'd like to, to recognize your co-authors of um, Chang Guan, Alexander Masaros, and Atil Talay. Tell us about that paper. Tell us how you put your heads together on this, and what, are your, what were your findings? Sure. Well, everybody uh, contributed to this article with their, uh, the, the, their field of expertise. Uh, uh, I'm very grateful to have worked with uh, with these people. Okay, the, the paper that we worked on uh, was born from a report done in 1975 for the Maritime Administration on Marid by the University of uh, Michigan, I think. And uh, they found that back in 1975, the price of uh, fuel was low enough that uh, it wasn't really economically viable to uh, use sailing vessels to carry goods for uh, the merchant marine. That was 1975. So I saw the report. They, now these the people who wrote the 1975 article, I think it was a fellow named Woodward. Uh, they, uh, he and his colleagues did a, a great job uh, in characterizing the performance of fairly big sailing vessels. Probably they would be the biggest sailing vessels that ever sailed, uh, uh, up to about 250 meters in length. For a merchant ship, isn't really all that big, but for a sailing vessel, it's huge. But you know, these are uh, the, uh, so 250 meters long and masts that are approaching 100 meters in height, so quite quite large. And they used a, a fuel use strategy. If the vessel was unable to move 
at a speed of six knots with the wind, then they would turn on the engines. And as soon as the, the winds were strong enough, then they would shut off the engines and, and proceed with only uh, sail power. Uh, using this strategy, they were able to save 85% uh, of the fuel. So burning 15% less fuel this way. But even with such a tremendous saving, uh, it was not enough to justify the use. But now, in 2021, when the fuel prices have increased, so we found that using the, the, the same models that, they, uh, that Woodward used in uh, 1975, we found that now it is economically viable to use merchant ships. And easily, uh, we found that, that the amount that a shipping company would have to charge uh, per ton would be about between 20 and 40% less using a sailing vessel than, than using a conventional the motorized vessel. This considering the crews, the maintenance, the, the port costs, the, the time that it takes is an, an analysis over an entire year of operation of the vessel. Sergio, how did you find out about this report from 1975? I found it on the internet. I did a Google search on mm-hmm. uh, you know, large sailing vessels and uh, this type of thing. And this is a report uh, that has been somewhat maligned in some papers that I've read and really unfairly maligned. In my opinion, it was a study that was very, very well done. Tell me what inside the report in particular caught your curiosity. When you say that the report is well done, give it, flesh it out a little more for us. Tell us what was well done and with a well-done report, how did it set up the stage for the research that you and your colleagues did to make these updates for 2021? It was such a uh, so well done that it made my job of updating their results very, very easy. They went into um, calculated the the time that it would take to make crossings from various ports in the U.S. to various ports around the world. And they calculated the uh, variance and the time that you might expect from because the winds are not always dependable, right? And they considered uh, the, the certain undependability of the wind. That's how they came up with their fuel use strategy, turning the motors on once in a while, right? This way, removing some of the variability that you might find if you just use sails alone, then you wouldn't as good an idea when that ship is going finally going to make it to port. But they, they found that they were able to get average speeds over the entire year of about 10 knots. It varied uh, with the season. In the fall and the winter time, you know, they could go faster. In the summer, the winds tend to be lighter, so it would go a little bit slower. But on average, they, would, they found that they could do about 10 knots with these vessels. And in the updates that you and your colleagues made, but what, what were the surprises? What are the things where here in the original report, you've been set up so well now to see what they used to come up with their conclusions. What are the things that you came up with? Were there, were there differences between what you were hoping you would find and what you really found? Well, actually, yes. I, I, you know, I was hoping that sailing ships would be economically viable, but I didn't realize that it would be this uh, much of a slam dunk for the sailing ship. That was a real surprise. So to, to me now, at least from a financial economical point of view, 
to me, it appears that it's a, a no-brainer, as they say, uh, at this point, with one thing uh, that really needs to be addressed, and uh, which is the height of the of the masts. These are too high to 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 have access in many many of the U.S. and foreign ports. You know that there are, there can be bridges, right? Like for example, the Verrazano Bridge, right? And the the smaller of the vessels that uh, the 75 report looked at is just able to get underneath like 70 meters. This is the issue uh, that has to be resolved. It's just the, the mast height. And with the kinds of, of sailing ships that you were looking at with the report, tell us a little bit more about that. Were you looking at telescopic sails, at uh, wing sails, um, flattener rotors? Yes, they were using, uh, it's a soft sail. It's known as a dyna-rig setup. But the sail is uh, curved. So they give the sail a curved shape. And the setup is that the sails can be automatically furled uh, via uh, some kind of winch, an Mm -hmm. electric winch. So you could control the square footage of sail area that you have by the press of a button. And they're using this dyna-rig design, which was come up with by an engineer named Proles in the 1900s, you can essentially uh, have twice the efficiency of a conventional square rigger sail as uh, maybe was used in the 1900s when shipping by sail was still still being done. Right. So it's mm-hmm. a it's a more efficient rig. You don't need anybody to climb up and take right. the sails down. On this podcast, wind-supported vessels are our raison d'être. That's what we believe in. We know that it's possible. We talk to people every single week on this podcast who are moving the global maritime supply chain in that direction. However, it's not something that is part of the larger conversation, but this report sounds to us like you were able to say, okay, this 1975 report concluded that wind-assisted vessels were not viable for merchant shipping. But in 2021, yes, 100% they are, and this is why. Tell us a little bit more about those differences and what changes have precipitated this. Sure, sure. And I'm very happy that that your organization is working on this and, and helping get the word out. The biggest factor... Uh, that is important here uh, today in 2021 versus 1975 is the, the price of fuel. Mm-hmm. Uh, did our study, we used the, the average fuel price over the last 10 years. This is for, for so-called HFO, heavy fuel oil. Now it would be called high sulfur fuel oil. The, la- the, the price over the last 10 years is, a, is about $72 per barrel. So using that, that 10-year average price is how we got these results that it's so much, uh, so economically smart to use sales at this point as a principal means of propulsion. But it's not just the, la- the average fuel price over the last 10 years, but it's also the predicted fuel prices. There are companies mm-hmm. that, that do provide these estimates on what the fuel prices are going to be. And... Even if you consider those those prices too, it's still economically viable. So there, there are two reasons to to go with the sailing vessels. There's the the, the moral reason of uh, stopping or reducing climate change, and the and now it's you can put the uh, financial one next to it. 
which makes it easy to become moral. Right, of course. However, though, Sergio, the shipping industry is pretty slow to adapt to change. What do you think it's going to take for ship owners, shipping companies, and ship builders to start making these adaptations and really put sail at the forefront? I think everyone will become very green once they realize they can save money in this. But this, to us, this seems like something that should be in, in front of the business pages. In this podcast, we've spoken to so many different professionals. All of them know that this is the future. And, and I think getting that to either ship owners, ship builders for retrofits, new builds, the acceptance is going to have to be 100%. Because building a ship the way that you would 20 years ago, it's a terrible idea. It's, it's, the price of fuel is not going to go down for the foreseeable future. Would you, would you agree? It's hard to predict what's going to happen at any time, but the way it's looking, yeah, is that it's, uh, the predicted prices are high and uh, over the last 10 years, it's been high. Yeah. And Sergio, in the report, did you take a look at any particular vessels that are using wind assisted propulsion? Are there any, any that you could tell us about any ships in particular? that you found were more economically viable than perhaps you had originally thought, but they were really doing the job and getting it done? Well, I, I did find some uh, kind of niche uh, green transport efforts like these. Uh, in uh, Costa Rica, they're building a vessel by hand. I don't know if they're still... Yes, doing... we know about that. We yeah. talked to them a couple of weeks ago. That was fascinating. We're so proud of them. They're doing a terrific job and really doing it from the ground up and built their own shipyard. And they're very, very committed to that project. But in order to get the this thing going in, in, the, real, in the merchant marine, right, it's going to take a little bit of a bold uh, person to uh, take a little bit of a risk. Because I, I imagine, you know, I put myself in the in the in the mind of the uh, average ship owner, if I can, right? And I and you're running something. Maybe you're making money as it is, and and you may be reluctant, and maybe you can't, you don't want to take the risk of of uh, spending money on a totally new concept. Nobody has built ships these this big, as far as I know. Uh, so it's a little bit of a risk involved. So uh, it's going to take a bold person to do it. So a bold, wealthy person, probably. Any ideas of who, of who that might be? Um, no, no, I don't. And I wanted to ask you something. Just in the news, we saw that Coca-Cola has announced a switch to bulk carriers. Uh, do you think that we've hit a wall with the use of container ships? Costs are rising. Some vessels are too large for quite a few of the the ports in the world now, the dispatch of containers with trucks and rails. Where do you think that's going? I think these are probably temporary problems, right? Caused by, uh, I guess, COVID, uh, right? Has, is probably responsible for. Now we have all of a sudden we have many many ships that need to get into port, right? Mm -hmm. So for, I I don't think the the end of the uh, container ship is anywhere is going to happen. It's too it's too practical. It really. They can unload these ships so much uh, more quickly than the than the uh, bulk carriers, right? So, we always like to give our guests an open floor at the end of an episode. Uh, do you want to get up on your soapbox and uh, and give us either predictions 
or uh, something that you'd like to see in the future? I think we're going to need a bold person to try it. And uh, once it's a proven concept, one person starts using it and they make money on it, then it's going to be become very attractive to other people. I think the, the average shipping company is not willing to take a risk at this point. There are still questions to be answered. Uh, but once somebody does it, then the, uh, uh, how does the expression go? Then the floodwaters can, then the gates right. can be open. And, uh, so maybe it's going to have to start with sail-assisted propulsion where primary uh, method of propulsion is an engine, but assisted by sails. So you, I think this is probably the best uh, way for things to start. And I can see this, this happening relatively soon. I, uh, this is the way which I think the use of the sails can, can start. And then from there, move on, moving on to the sails as the principal means of propulsion. We feel the same way. We know that it's going to take a big push. But in the meantime, Sergio, we want to say a huge thank you for you joining us today and big congratulations on the report. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, it's been a pleasure to be here. We've been speaking with Sergio Perez, the professor of engineering at the U.S. Merchant Marine Academy in Kings Point, New York. Thank you again for joining us. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the show this week. If you're not already subscribed, please sign up to Hoisting the Sail wherever you get your podcasts. For more information, visit Windsupport NYC on LinkedIn. Write to us at podcast at windsupport.nyc.